Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And this is Josh Mankiewicz. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. Hey! <laughs> that was thrilling. That was thrilling. So exciting. I'm all sweaty. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on to talk about this episode, uh, The Undoing. The Undoing. We uh, first heard about this episode, well, a few months ago, you told us on Twitter, you were DMing us, and you said there's like a love trapezoid or something, yes. and we were just thrilled. And then we got to go backstage at CrimeCon and say hi, and Shane Bishop, the producer, was um, pitching the episode to us and to Dennis, and he's saying there's polyamory and there's pirate cosplay and all of this stuff, and Dennis just said, what are we judging now? <laughs> Funny. Yeah. We always think of Dennis as like being quiet and prim and proper, and then he gets assigned these BDSM cases in sex dungeons. So he does, yeah. he does. Yeah, but he, does. he, he was the one that was like, "Why are we judging?" And I felt like this this was so funny that this was your episode with stuff like that. Dennis is a blast. Um, yeah. uh, one of the nice things about CrimeCon, uh, which we just finished in, in Las Vegas, was. Um, that, you know, the, the correspondents and I don't spend a lot of time together because we're all spread out all over the country. All, and they're the three people on Dateline that I actually see the least because the, usually I bump into producers and associate producers and camera crews and editors, but not the three of them. So it was nice to see everybody. I had dinner with uh, with Dennis while we were there, which was great. Aww. So it was nice Aww. to see him. I love that. So, uh, yeah, um, piracy, polyamory and pay less shoes. Kinda, <laughs> Kind of has everything. Those are the in the in crime journalism. Those are definitely the three P's. Here's a yeah. question for you. I think the answer is no. Have you ever set foot in a payless shoe oh, store? Sure, I have. Yes, I have. You have. Yeah. Have you ever been into a Costco, which was also featured in this episode? Um. Uh. I have been to Costco. Yes, I'm not a Costco member, but I've been with uh, with others and. Okay. Um, um, the hot dogs are fabulous. That yeah. was my question. Have oh, yeah. you eaten at the oh, food court? Oh, yeah. No, the hot dogs are wonderful. Great. They egg. also have like surprisingly good um, cuts of beef. Correct. Well, I've brought Costco food to uh, to barbecues and stuff. People are always like, wow, you know, who's your butcher? I'm like, man. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Costco. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I can't reveal my source. Thank you. <laughs> Move along. Uh, jumping right into the episode. Katie had a question about the layout of this house. How I many sure people were actually living in this house? Yeah. There were also children. And yeah. then someone pointed out that I missed and Katie missed floor to ceiling cat cages in yes. one of the B-roll photos. Yes, there were there were cat cages in the house. Definitely. Now, I, by, by the time we started covering this case, uh, that, that house, uh, none of those people were living there anymore um, uh -huh. because. Because when it ended, of course, uh, the, the participants had moved to Pocatello, Idaho. So they'd given up the house a long time ago. So I couldn't go in the house and look around. But yeah, there were floor to ceiling cat cages. Well, let's see. There was uh, there was uh, Matt and Angela, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes there was uh, Matt and Annie's daughter, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Lived there part of the time. And then I think Angela had two children two children previously and then there was also karina her longtime friend and roommate who lived in the garage and then now and then was also her her ex aaron but there was another roommate whose name and then there was one got. more roommate whose name we didn't use because how many didn't... bedrooms was this 
I think there were three bedrooms. Some of the okay. kids were doubled up. Karina's in the garage. Matt and Angela were, I think, in the, the sort of in the room. living room area. Yeah. Yeah. They, they they were packing them in in that house. No yeah, question. Yeah, they really were. But, you know, I mean, this is, you know, I, I don't know how many of those people actually had a job. Certainly <laughs> the the kids didn't. You know, they were they were, you know, school age children. Well, Angela and Matt were professional parents. Matt and Angela, I roll insert. Yeah. I roll here. Matt and Angela seemed uh, interested in living pretty much um, off other people's paychecks. Yes, that's right. Uh, I'm not sure about the the unnamed roommate, uh, whether that person was working or not. And Karina did have a full time job. Yes. Right. How many more pirate puns did you have that were cut? I, did you um, get them all in uh, the pirate puns? I uh, the, the thing I really wanted to do was, you know, I, I was pretty sure that this was going to be my last opportunity to get the phrase walk the plank on yeah. the line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so we rewrote it a couple of times. So it didn't sound too much like we're, you know, winking at you while I said it. You know, so I put there was there was a paragraph saying that they had sort of exhausted the police had exhausted all the other opportunities i mean all the other uh, possibilities for uh, for who suspects have been you know it, it wasn't somebody at work and it, it didn't seem to be any of her uh polyamorous relationships and nobody in the pirate community wanted her to walk the plank mm-hmm. but then i changed that so that it wasn't at the end of the of the sentence oh it wasn't where was it no it was later i think I, I put it in the middle of the sentence. Oh, I see. Okay. Which, okay. which, which tended to de-emphasize that phrase a little bit <laughs> um, and make it sound a little less snickery because, Hey, look, uh, you know, uh, the truth is the, uh, the pirate community, uh, she did it. She had a blast in it. Apparently yeah. there's the un, unbeknownst to me. There's a lot of people who enjoy pirate cosplay and, uh, and they didn't have anything to do with the murder. So, so it was more of a, you know, it was in the category of leads that 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 police have to follow. Yeah, she was killed with a knife. Pirates love knives. Those weird uh, numbers that were carved into her postmortem um, suggested that it might have had something to do with the with the pirate community or the knife community. And so it was something that police had to investigate. But ultimately, it turned out like it didn't have anything to do with any of them. I said it was a red parrot. And oh, that's good. Oh, that's very good. Red herring. Yeah, red, it's, a, good. it's a red bearded uh, herring. Yes, yes that's right. Go. Yeah. Well, we were saying there had maybe never been a pirate case on Dateline before. We I, weren't sure. But I, then you just said, if I I'll probably never get to say it again. And Katie and I said, if there is because people wanted me to add pirates to the bingo cards. And I said, only if there's another pirate thing on dateline i can't do it just for this one I, I agree with you i don't think pirates can be on the bingo card unless it it's got to appear in multiple episodes i agree thank you yeah. i have a josh ruling on this missing, missing at sea can definitely oh that's a good one that, is that on there because that no. definitely yeah no no missing at sea oh that should be that's on there that's one. like that's like two or three just that i've done that i can yeah. think of that's yeah. a great one Okay, yeah. happens off too often. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the actual carving in the shoulder, I did like a minute and a half of research on why that could be connected to pirates. Do yes. you have any more information on that XVX? Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know what mm-hmm. that was. Uh, that appears to have been the murderer trying to throw police off. Mm-hmm. Um, it was never explained. You know, there was a plea deal, so there was never a there was never a yeah. trial, and mm-hmm. there and. Uh, 
uh, th- that remains a mystery, as does um, the issue that I got asked about on social media a fair amount this week, which is why in the 911 call would Annie say she didn't know her attacker, didn't know who it was and didn't recognize them? Right. Because Annie clearly knew Angela. Right. We guessed some sort of shock. I mean, that- or, or she was disguised or the first, you know, of the of the what was it? 60 times she was stabbed or something, you know, I mean, some some colossal amount of stab wounds. Uh, you know, the first 20 of those happened so quickly. It was in the dark and she mm-hmm. was disoriented and then she starts losing blood. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's a. Uh, it's a mystery. I don't know. It may very well be, you know, you, you two obviously have heard this before. Most people who follow true crime have, which is that, you know, a lot of times when you find um, a body and there's uh, something covering the face that suggests to police that it was somebody who knew the victim who did the murder and they don't want to see that person looking back at them dead. Mm-hmm. They can't bear to see a person that they knew staring at them from death. And it may very well be that uh, uh, that in this case, the murderer wore some kind of mask mm-hmm. um, either so that they uh, they wouldn't be seen by you know anybody or being recognized by anybody else coming in or going out. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, that you know, they didn't want they didn't want to hear Annie say, you know, mm-hmm. her name, Angela, what are you doing? You know, right. and then also somebody in the next apartment could hear her screaming, Angela, stop it or something like that. Security cameras and, are everywhere. We yeah, should all just know, wear so, masks all the time. Yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> now, it was like a particularly brutal it was. murder. So was, in your opinion, do you think that she did that on purpose to throw the police in a direction, trying to throw them in a different direction? Or was she that? angry at Annie. You know, the thing about this that made it an interesting story to tell and mm-hmm. is that it was Matt who, yeah. you know, owes the child support and, right. and, and, and the court fees. And it's Matt who, you know, is, is now going to have to, you know, lost his driver's license because he couldn't, uh, couldn't pay child support, which is something that happens in, in Oregon. What's interesting is that, you know, Matt seemed, from everything we could tell, I mean, yeah, you know, certainly not violent or bloodthirsty, you know, we don't know what he was going to do as a result of that. But given his past history, what he was probably going to do was nothing like mm-hmm. not pay the money and not do anything else and just continue to live off whatever he could get off the state. And yeah, all indications are that Matt wasn't going to do anything as a result of owing all that money. But Angela was furious. And according to Karina, spouted off about about killing Annie all the time. Yeah, that's right. No one would miss her if she was. Yeah, you know, I could kill her. Nobody would know. And I mean, first of all, clearly not true. A lot of people would have missed her. Yeah. And it's interesting that sort of she, you know, I mean, mean, okay, she's married to him, but that that wasn't really hers. And Mm. yeah. and, And so she sort of took on that burden. You know, how angry was she? I don't know. Clearly pretty angry. Yeah. Clearly pretty angry that they had lost in court, that they lost full custody of the daughter. Uh, you know, and, and it seems that maybe one of the reasons why they were upset about losing full custody of the daughter was that she was another ATM for them. Yes. Which is a yeah. horrible thing. Uh, so it may have been that. I mean, certainly there was some 
subterfuge here? I mean, was the number of stab wounds uh, anger or was it an attempt to throw the cops off? Yeah, I don't know. Did the Roman numerals carved into any postmortem that mean anything? Well, they weren't correct Roman numerals. No, they weren't. They were they were not. They were not. I mean, they looked like Roman numerals, but together they didn't represent anything. Right. Uh, yeah. So it was that the initials of something else that we right. don't know about. I don't know. But it that does to me feel more like an attempt to throw off police than the number of stab wounds. Oh, got it. Okay. But I loved when you were talking to the friend, I believe her name was Nicole, and she just kept saying that Matt was the driving force behind the whole thing and that Angela was sort of a pawn and and. I don't think you believed that. And I don't think we believed that either. I don't know. I mean, she said, uh, yeah, Angela was, was Matt's weapon, you know, um, and it might as well, might as well have been his hand on the knife. I mean, except that it wasn't, and there is no evidence. Let's be clear about that. There is no evidence that anyone other than Angela, Angela. was in, was in Annie's apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, he, was he in the car? Did he drive her that we don't know. Well, did he, did I so I have two questions. Her? Did he know about it? Did he plan it? Did he egg her on? I we don't know that, but he wasn't there. He did not. He was not there when that murder was committed. So there were two people, roommate number two, nameless roommate number two, and Karina, who both said they saw Matt and Angela sleeping, and Karina said she heard Angela snoring, and right. one was at midnight, and one was at three a.m. Could it have been Matt was just there and they assumed Angela was in the bed, too? Uh, It's one of two things. Either Karina is just grievously wrong or, as police believe, she's lying. She's deliberately covering up for her friends. I don't know which of those is correct. I know that those are two different ways of looking at it. I, I think police are more forgiving as to the other roommate who says, I, I saw them there. I don't think that they necessarily think that that person is lying because I don't believe there was ever any discussion of pursuing any charges against them or thinking that they were, you know, an accomplice or mm-hmm. you know, an accessory after the fact or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I know the police feel that, and the detective made that clear, Aaron Turnage made that clear that they think Karina's lying. I mean, look, I mean, Karina and Matt have not been charged and, they have not. There isn't any reason to believe that they're going to be. Um, but Detective well, Turnage seems pretty determined that to, with Matt specifically. I think that Detective Turnage is hoping that some evidence will come along that will allow them to charge Matt. I think right. he believes that Matt, so Matt was involved in this and other people do, too. But the, the, that evidence, if there is it's any, not here yet, it yeah. doesn't exist right but now. But because of yeah. that, he only gets maybe a year or two in jail. Yeah, because yeah. they did that. Right. Because I what I don't think is going to happen is I, I do not think that there is any chance that there's going to be evidence suggesting that Matt was also there and that Matt actually killed her so that or played a role in, in being there and killing her. So I'm thinking that whatever whatever evidence might come down the pike. And at this point, there is zero. Uh, yeah, it's not going to support a. Uh, um it's not a sudden appearance of DNA at no, the crime scene. I, that right? I, don't think I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be something else. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Back to Karina. She lived with Matt for a while, even though she thought he was involved in the murder. And then she still visits Angela in prison. We kind of thought she felt so guilty about not being able to stop it. She's trying to kind of catch them 
solve the crime somehow because she keeps trying to get she was recording in her house she was recording in her apartment on her computer trying to get him to say something because otherwise why are you still friends with these people right i mean i i don't know what to think about that clearly karina is trying to position herself somewhere between uh yeah you know what her original statement was and what police believe which is that she's covering up for a murder Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know she continued to live there she Mm -hmm. uh she continued to record Matt, hoping that he was going to say something. Um, yeah. yeah. And she still visits. She still visits Angela in prison. I mean, again, you know, Karina not on trial here. No charges filed against no. her. Um, you know, I, I do wonder what would your lifelong friend have to do <laughs> before they were no longer your lifelong friend? Right. I mean, murder is on the list for me. And I'm thinking a well, particularly. A lot. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking a particularly bloody murder might get you over that bar. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Okay, let's jump to Aaron. Right. Do you... Okay, so we we don't think Emily, his fiance, knew anything about this, right? At all. Well, you're not going to say. I mean, I have no reason to believe she did, no. No, and there's no... There is no allegation that she was involved in any of the planning of this the way there is about Aaron. Now, Aaron says he, well, Aaron says a bunch of different things. I mean, Aaron says, (laughs) you know, he, he blacks out. He doesn't remember, you know, he says that he got PTSD from being asked about Matt's accusation that he was involved. He, Aaron was involved in the planning of this at one point. Mm -hmm. Um, Aaron says, I would have said, no, I don't remember being asked. But then another time he said to me, I said, so you remember that that you you don't remember it, but you remember it did not happen. That was my favorite. Well, you know, I mean, I wanted to I wanted to try to get clear whether he was saying I don't remember if it happened or I do remember and it didn't happen. And he sort of seemed uh, he came down on different sides of that at different points in the conversation. But certainly at one point, yeah, I did get out of him. Right. As you heard, like you, you don't remember the whole thing. You want to claim that you don't remember any of it, but you remember that you didn't say yes. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so the like, the verbal gymnastics that you so were doing and watching him try to follow it in his mind was right. amazing. Right now. I mean, look, he says that he has been diagnosed with PTSD and he says that right. he's under doctor's care and medication right. for it. And yeah. we don't have any access to his medical records. So I don't know um, whether that's accurate or not, but we are taking that um, um, on faith. Yeah, we um, don't know if it's the same doctors right. that diagnosed the children uh, right. and diagnosed Matt. Have you seen it before? Can I ask you that? I've never seen anybody claim to have PTSD as the result of being asked about something in a police interrogation. That I've never seen. Most people who have PTSD can trace it back to a specific traumatic event or series of traumatic events, like being in wartime or, you know, having some being in a car accident accident. that was, you know, fatal for somebody or debilitating in some way. Absolutely. Or some family situation, you know, involving abuse or something like that. I I cannot ever recall hearing somebody say that they got post-traumatic stress disorder from being questioned about something that they assert did not happen and that they were not charged with. It's. Some sometimes we see when the cops are shady, we see like three day interrogations with really aggressive tactics. Then I could see it. I don't think that's what Aaron went through, but I could. We don't know. We don't don't, know. But I don't he was not in there for three days. There's nothing like that. I mean, there's no. And I mean, and 
and it did not produce anything. I mean, there was, I mean, Matt, Matt, who's a, truth-telling has been at issue in in this story mm-hmm. says that aaron was approached to be the hitman to kill annie but that the plan fell apart after a small amount of planning because uh, matt and angela didn't have the money for it um but this is after you know matt also you know mm-hmm. said that he lied about it and said he didn't know anything about it and then all of a sudden he knows everything about it once uh once uh, some some information is made clear to him or some evidence so Right. You know how how to tell. right how valid Matt's word is about anything is is, is certainly an issue, uh, and Aaron says no. We I didn't was, talk about it. We didn't plan it. I would have said no, and I don't remember any of that. And the cops asking me about it has enormously upset me. That, without any of my cynicism, is what he claims. Right. Yeah. It is so strange. It is strange, and Detective Turnage believes that that's all a big act, and that. But he also believes Matt, like, as you pointed out, Matt Mm -hmm. is a proven liar, like an admitted liar. Right. Matt is Matt is an admitted liar. And so, therefore, what that leads to is no charges against Matt, no charges against Aaron. You know, some suspicion on the part of police, but that suspicion doesn't lock people up. Evidence does. We were wondering if Matt was lying, why he would lie and include Aaron in this. Katie had a funny idea, which was that he, in his mind, he just thinks, well, there's more people to share the blame, so I'll get less jail time. Like if he splits it up amongst (laughs) all the roommates, then he will somehow, that will be better for him. Look, people do, people do all kinds of mental gymnastics to- sure exculpate themselves at least in their own minds and karina mm-hmm. might be doing some of that too right you know I, I i i didn't pay attention to angela when she said she was going to kill her now i'm turning investigator i'm trying to sort of even the scales that could be happening i would do the exact same thing i yeah. saw myself in that i That's was like oh no possible. i would try to solve this i would try to jessica right. fletcher this uh, all the way to right the i'm gonna yeah. try to try to you know sort of be on the side of the angels here at least for some of the time after i did the wrong thing or after i did the wrong thing, or if i yeah. did what i perceive as the wrong thing or, or correct mm-hmm. yeah now aaron thinks the reason that matt is making this up is mm-hmm. um if he can dirty up aaron he'll get more of the kids and you'll get more state money. Right, right. Oh, brother. yeah, I forgot about that. Right. And that's not implausible. No, it's not. Okay, so here's a very important question for you. Um, rank these in order of terrible behavior. Murder, <sighs> faking the disabilities of children to cheat the government, Oof. putting your bare feet on an interrogation room table. <laughs> Well, putting your feet up during an interrogation is bare feet. Yeah, it's just great. Um, <laughs> that is a, 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 a I should have written to that. I, when I saw it on the air. I thought I should have said something more about. No, that. it was almost better that you uh, didn't say anything because Twitter exploded. Well, I would have said literally bearing her soul. That's yeah. what I should have oh. done. Like, I'm an idiot for not putting but that. No, in. you had so many yeah. good ones in this. We'll get to the gap in a minute, but you had so many good ones <laughs> yeah. in this. Well, murder, yeah, I'm going to go with murder being the worst, but boy, yeah. closely followed by faking your kids' illnesses to get money from the state is yeah, it's pretty is, rough. It's pretty monstrous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, it's but yeah, good. putting your bare feet on a, 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 a like. It's like wearing a sandwich board saying, please arrest me. 
it's, it's insult to injury. Yeah. You're arrested yeah. for murder yeah. and then that. Yeah, also, bad. unfortunately for her, the first time they interviewed her, she's talking about having diarrhea and vomiting and and she's sitting there. And then and then the next time she's putting her bare feet on there and she's got her hair over her face like it's a shield. I mean, like it's <laughs> I mean, the body language there was just yes. so amazing. Yeah. Like she's hiding behind this mane of hair. Yeah. Now, now um, I, I, we didn't put this in because I think we don't have enough time. Uh, I said to Turnage, how did you not notice the cut at the first interview? We had that same question. And Good. he said, okay. we, I, we didn't. We should have. We just didn't. We were yeah. looking at too many other things. Was it here? I think it was here. I think it was between like the crease. thumb and forefinger. Yeah, I yeah. think. My thought was what I'm guessing is that because she was in that kind of I have the flu mode, what people do is pull this to their sweatshirt. Yeah, she, had, although, she was kind but of they like should have checked her body. for cuts. One of the things. Oh, yeah. One okay. of the things they do in cases like that is they say, can you pull back your sleeves? So you know, can... if you're a guy, take your shirt off. You saw they did that with Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, in a if you're stabbing somebody, there's a very good chance you're going to get cut. Knives get slippery with blood and that blade can mm-hmm. accidentally cut the. And your hand goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, can slide mm-hmm. on the blade and you can get cut, you know, click here to go to the OJ case. Yes. Right. You know, he had a cut and that that that's uh, what you think. OJ was guilty. That's a whole separate podcast. But <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that later. But uh, stay tuned for part you did two. that one. You did the one with OJ and we saw the arrest with um people had like leaves stapled to them where they were dressed like oh, a yeah. bush. Those, and are they gi- were- those are called ghillie suits. But yes, they were yes. dressed as the woods yes. coming out. <laughs> it yes. was great. Yeah. That now, was you know episode. that those guys, those. uh those operators on Halloween, like they're <laughs> way ahead of everybody they're else. Set. Like, yeah, I'm going as the bush in your front yard. You know, yeah, so good. Uh, yeah, those are those are called ghillie suits. They're usually used for hunting, I think. That makes sense. And they make those guys invisible. Those guys are very good. Those uh, um, that particular branch of the LAPD, they're very sharp. Um, I have a lot of questions. That so, all right. So, where where were we? We were talking about. Oh, so they they kind of missed Angela's cut right. at the initial interrogation. Uh, right. And she may very well have been pulling down her sleeves, you know, over her hands. Uh, you know, first of all, I mean, you know, to be fair, like they're going to get more than one crack at Angela. Right. Yeah. She's not the kind of person that's going to flee to Venezuela. Right. You know, or, you know, Lebanon or someplace that doesn't have extradition or something. So, I mean, she's probably going to be around for subsequent interviews. And, you know, th- they did see it at the funeral, funeral right? service. It actually helps to uh sort of sometimes to let people who who you think are guilty feel like well you thanks for helping us you're not under any suspicion we just need you to come here and answer a couple more questions to clear some stuff up for us just because there's some stuff we we don't understand and that that lowers their guard a little yeah and that's a dance that 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 cops do with suspects sometimes particularly when it's not abundantly clear exactly what happened Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Now, you know, one of the questions that could be asked here, and I'm not sure I know the answer, is what if this couldn't happen? Because if you don't have enough money for a hitman, you definitely don't have enough money for an attorney. But what <laughs> happens if Matt and Angela lawyer up right away? Right. And, and say, you know, we are not speaking with you. Right. Mm. You're going to have to prove this case, mm. you know, uh, because they weren't being accused. So, mm. you know, the, people got to remember People are under no obligation to speak with law enforcement. Right. Um, they can get a warrant for your prints or your DNA or to search your place of residence or your work, but or your car. 
but but people don't have to talk without a lawyer. They don't really have to talk at all. They can just say, Mr. Smith here represents me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be doing any more interviews. If you have questions, mm-hmm. please call him. And he just will say, my client's not talking. Mm-hmm. And that makes that does two things. It's a little harder to build a case based on a suspect's own statements. But on the other hand, it does kind of tend to focus suspicion on that person who is who has decided to not speak. If you're later on Dateline, it does cause people yep. that are watching your case to um, scream at the television right. to think things. Yes, yeah. that's right. It does. And make assumptions. Right. That's right. So. To, to, to leap to conclusions. That's right. So <laughs> they didn't lawyer up. They kept talking. And, uh, you know, eventually they were they were undone both by their own words, but also by modern technology, because without all those cameras, not just the one at their neighbors, but the ones around town. I mean, great work by Gresham mm-hmm. PD finding all of those cameras and charting the progress of that silver minivan across town, basically from Matt and Angela's front door mm-hmm. to uh, Annie's apartment. Yeah. Also, they kept the old photos of the payless receipt and the boots on their phone. But and I was a little bit judging. Why are you a photo hoarder? Why do you have so many photos? But then I looked in my camera roll on my phone and I have photos from like a year ago that I haven't sorted or deleted. Yeah, a zillion photos. Yeah. The, the- do you do that, too? Yeah. Yeah, sure. No, I mean, every now and then I'm sort of going through it and think like, yeah, I don't need that anymore. You know, yeah. I can delete that. But, you know, there's a bunch of stuff on there I should probably delete. Yeah. But again, you know, the people we traditionally cover on Dateline, they're not professional longtime criminals. They're amateurs. They've probably right. never done anything like this before. And they gave up their phones. Matt and Angela did because they wanted to appear uh, that they were cooperating. I mean, or, you know, in Matt's case, mm-hmm. who never faced any, any uh, ultimately did, didn't face those charges. Yeah. He, they were both being cooperative is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I think what they were thinking was, okay, what's on our text messages. Right. You know? Exactly. And if one or both of them were in the car, they probably left their phone at home in the charger. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm sure they're thinking like, well, that's a dateline one Oh one. Right. I'm sure they're Leave thinking your phone. These, so the reason we're giving up these phones is because there's nothing in them. That's usually what, right. what, what people are thinking. And I'm sure that they were not thinking that the photograph of the of the shoes at, and, the, and the carpet at the Payless and the that Payless, was amazing. you know, I mean, it's a photo of the shoes, of the boots yeah. that, that, that made those footprints. You know, I'm sure they didn't realize they were going to make footprints. Yeah, that's the undoing of of amateur criminals. Uh, so another undoing we just touched on is always have a lawyer, right? Just right away. Um, is that what you, or is, is that what you think? Me? <laughs> what should people yeah. on Dateline do? I mean, I'm not going to tell you what I think you should do. I will tell you that every criminal attorney believes that you should not speak with police unless you have an attorney present, because right. even if they will say, even if you believe that you didn't do anything wrong and that you won't be charged in this, you should have somebody there to protect your rights. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I can tell you right now that if in the middle of this podcast interview, the doorbell rings, it's <laughs> the local police here in Los Angeles. And they say, we need your help with a murder that we that, that happened you know, nearby. Is there anything mm-hmm. you can tell us about? I'm not going to say I got to get an attorney first. Right. <laughs> I would talk to him. Right. Right. Uh Another thing that I always preach on the show, but no one seems to listen to me, is that if you change your life insurance policy 
tell everybody because Matt thought he was a beneficiary. It happens all the time because the person changes it and doesn't tell the person, you have no reason to kill me anymore. This is a bingo card thing. <laughs> it happens all the time. Which, and, the, and, the, and the thing on the card is life insurance surprise. Uh, I'm putting mm-hmm. it down. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I can think of uh, two other cases I've covered. Uh, one, the nicotine murder in Orange County. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This, I think there's one other somewhere in which the person who thought they were the beneficiary of a life insurance policy were stunned to realize that they were not the beneficiary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Matt, who's so many of whose actions appear motivated by money. Money. But I think didn't see that one coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's good advice, which is you want to make sure that people you want to make sure that if that if somebody does have a homicidal thought about you that they know that there is not money at the end of that. And they might mm-hmm. want to think twice. Mm-hmm. I'm putting it on a billboard. Yeah. I'm going no, on the news. Gonna, yeah. You're going to want to be wearing a shirt. Go, by the yeah, way, look, public yeah. service announcement. Hi, everyone. I'm Kimberly. <laughs> it's just in. I mean, look, that is that is one of the oldest motives out there. No yeah. question. And we've seen it again and again and again. And now it's time for a quick break. A word from our sponsors. Sometimes we're too busy interviewing our super famous friends like Josh Mankiewicz to eat right and get all the nutrients we need. That's why we're so excited to talk about AG1 from Athletic Greens with you. I started taking AG1 because I wanted more energy, better digestion, and I'm not great about choking down giant vitamins in the morning. Agreed. It's it's the worst. It's the worst. AG1 by Athletic Greens is a scoop of 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Still don't know what that is, but I'm going to learn. I'm going to look it up right after this to help you start your day right. I've been putting it into my smoothies in the morning because at first I was worried that it wouldn't taste good. I was wrong. It tastes amazing. So now I've been putting it with straight water because it's that good. It has this like mild tropical taste. It's delish. I actually want to drink it. Plus, it has a million health benefits. It supports your gut health, hashtag toilet troubles, your nervous system, which is contrary to popular belief, not the system of your body that makes you nervous all the time, (laughs) your immune system, which is great because people everywhere around you are disgusting germ messes, and aging, which is good because for some reason, I don't want to age. Who does? Is this the fountain of youth? Possibly. Possibly. AG1 costs less than $3 a day and is way better for you than that coffee habit that you have. And Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is recommended by professional athletes like myself or actual real athletes like Katie. (laughs) It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com slash date dateline. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash date dateline to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Rock it like an athlete. Greenly. Athletic Greens is <laughs> you. <laughs> Still three people got that this time, though. Yeah. Three people looked it up. Last time it was two. This time yeah. it's three. We're, we're yeah. going up in the world. Mm-hmm. I want to take a minute to talk to you about 
the weather. Don't fall asleep. Have you heard about <laughs> fake spring? No. You've never heard that term? No. Okay, I thought not, because you've always lived in Southern California, or for most of your life. But now that I'm in Tennessee, I feel like it was the first thing I learned. I walked into a Target and heard people talking about, oh, no, don't, this is fake spring, don't fall for it. Fake spring is when you think that it's going to be spring, but really you have three weeks of winter left. It's a real thing. And the worst thing about fake spring, besides inevitable disappointment when you realize that this spring isn't real, is how difficult it is to dress around that time. Mm. It's so difficult to find the right outfit in the spring into summer season changes because mm -hmm. every day is different and the weather can change at the drop of a hat. But lucky for us, Faraday has made that way easier. They make the perfect clothes for all all seasons. Faraday is a family-run brand making high-quality, timeless clothing with modern design and functionality. It's that kind of effortless style you want every time you go digging in your closet. You're trying to create that, that yes. shirt, that dress, the things that you feel like you've had them for years. Maybe it's a gorgeous print that looks like it could be vintage, but it's not. But it fits so well that it feels like it was made for you. That's Faraday. Faraday has this dream cotton gauze collection right now that is just gorgeous. I purchased an item for myself, for my mother, because I've seen this type of loose-fitting casual wear in stores, but Faraday just knows how to do it right. It's this breezy, airy, organic double gauze that is perfectly cut, just like all Faraday designs are. It keeps you cool and it's loose, but also not looking like you are wandering around in an ill-fitting beach cover-up. It's classy <laughs> and keeps you cool, which is very important for real summer. Mm. And Faraday is so confident that they have a lifetime guarantee of quality. They'll replace or fix your clothes forever. What? No matter what. Replace or fix right. your clothes forever. Talk about making it easier to get dressed. And right now, Faraday is giving all a date with Dateline listeners 20% off. Yes. Oh, we're going to look good and we're going to save money. Head to FaradayBrand.com slash DateDateline and use code DateDateline at checkout to snag 20% off all of your new fake spring sweltering summer staples. That's code DateDateline <laughs> at Faraday. F-A-H-E-R-T-Y brand.com slash date dateline for 20% off faritybrand.com slash date dateline because it's cool to look classy. <laughs> Hot girl fake spring. <laughs> fake spring. Fake tan fake spring. I don't, we got to come up with some good hashtags for that. Back to our show. Speaking of Matt and his love for money, What's the appeal of Matt to other people? He has been married three times and has cheated on those women. So he's getting all these ladies. Um, Mank is stunned. Mank has nothing to say. I, I don't think he can say anything. <laughs> I mean, look, this is, I was thinking that this is another bingo card entry, which is, mm -hmm. you know, inexplicably yes. su successful. Yeah. Guy with, well, with we women. have. We have yeah. him. Yeah, <laughs> right. Him is okay. That's, him? Right. That's on there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him is yeah. on there for sure. Yeah. In other words, you're fighting over this guy, right? You know, like J.D. Spielbauer in Amarillo, Texas. 
Which one was that? Oh, you know, he, he he cheated on his wife. He married the woman he was cheating on. Then he then he started cheating on that woman with his ex. Oh, boy. You know, he was going back and forth between these two women. Then one of them turned up dead. The other got charged. Turned out it was him. Um, and, you know, through it all, one of the themes was like, I'm sorry, what made this guy worth fighting right. for between these two women? Because they clearly at one time were fighting about him. Yeah. Same thing with Matt. I mean, what what makes him a prize? I don't know. Matt would, would not be the first, you know, inexplicably socially successful guy, because I mean, I you know, what is it that uh, uh, what is it that ropes the women in about Matt? His devilish good looks, um, <laughs> his skills uh, in a recliner with the video games. Yeah, maybe he's really, really good at Call of Duty. Maybe, maybe it maybe is. It's just, uh, you know, his, I mean. His, his, uh, his, his marital bed that's in the living room. Right. His talent <laughs> for extracting money from governmental agencies without actually right. ever showing up at work. I don't it know. It is a talent. Yeah. It is kind of hard to do. But what I, I'm most, and I'm not most impressed, but I was very impressed by um, folding like the overnight crew at the Gap. Thank you. He's good at folding. Have you yeah. been holding on to that one or did that just come to you in a stroke of genius? Thought, Tell of, me it, that- thought of it right then. It's real good. Well, you know, Shane and I, uh, you know, work on the script together. Shane Bishop, the producer of this particular two hour broadcast. So, you know, everything at Dateline uh, is kind of, you know, collegial. There's a great camera crew. There's a there's a great uh, video editor or in this case, several video editors. And there's you know, there's associate producers, there's producers. There's a senior producer. There's me, uh, the correspondent, and and uh, and then there's some other people who sort of you know review the script, um, both editorially, legally, and in terms of standards. And sort of everybody has to kind of work together. So it is one big team effort always at Dateline, which is one of the reasons that we're so successful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the gap line was mine, but I think it was suggested by something that Shane had. Uh, some metaphor that he had, but I was like, no, no, it's like the, I'm thinking like who folds really fast. <laughs> yeah. Right? The gap who is folds? Good. Like I recently was thinking like a card player, you know, like a oh, that's good too. poker yeah, yeah. player with a bad hand, uh, yeah. you know, uh-huh. folded quicker than I'm like, well, what other kind of folding is there? And I knew about, you know, a lot of people, it's a cliche to say, you know, he folded like Superman on laundry day. Right. That's <laughs> I a, that I've oh, yeah. never heard that. I've one. heard that before. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, yeah, what did he fold like? I'm like, oh, yeah, they, because when I worked at, um, I'll give you the genesis of this. Yes, please. When I, when I worked at CBS in New York from 1986 to 1991, uh, I occasionally had to, um, I occasionally had to walk. Um, well, I, there's a couple of different routes that I could take to walk home or go to dinner or something. Of course, we didn't have a car. So I was always, everybody's on foot in, in Manhattan. And, uh, and I would walk by a gap. Uh, which was kind of on 57th Street near CBS, a gap where subsequently after I left, there was a murder mm. in the oh store. My gosh. Yeah, in the store after hours. Uh, <gasps> some, uh, somebody got in while they were while they were doing exactly folding. that. Yeah. Folding oh and restoring, wow. restoring the store, I think. And I would walk by some nights and I would see two or three people in there and they had a there was a there was a big oblong piece yep. of, of the board. Um, yeah, board like a big piece of plastic, and it, yeah. had some, it had some indentations in it. And you put it in the middle of the shirt, and then you fold mm-hmm. around it, and then you pull the board out, and then it's the shirt's perfectly ready to be put in a stack on the shelves mm-hmm. of the Gap. And I remember yeah. seeing, I remember stopping at the window once and seeing, seeing these two or three people like, and they were having a conversation while they were doing this lightning fast folding. And <laughs> yeah. so then, yeah, 
So that made me think about the overnight crew at the Gap. Yeah, It's like those competitions where kids are doing Rubik's Cubes really fast. And you're right. like, how are they? Katie and I did discuss the panic that comes over people like us um, who, when we mess up a shirt at a store and we want to fix it for the we for can't. the staff, but we can't get those perfect creases. And then we just run away crying because this is the best I can. And I, I, I you know, I, I many times when I'm uh, when I'm home here, you know, doing the laundry or, you know, packing or unpacking. I wish I had that board from the yeah. gap. You could probably get that. That's got to be on eBay. somewhere. it's eBay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Also, every person that's ever worked in retail felt very seen by yes. that comment. Very good. Well, that. Everyone on Twitter was like, oh, this yeah. is the best quote, because I've been asking really for good. quotes for an undisclosed project that yes. I'm still not sure about, but I've been asking for our favorite Dateline quotes, and we have a ton of responses, and now it's all, well, the gap, the gap quote, you're done. Yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, that got a lot of attention on, the, on social, more than I thought. It that was has to, to be a proud moment. Sure. I love it. Why not? <laughs> um, um, also, you know, uh, the... You know, the jug, the hooskow, the slammer. I mean, I'm I'm sort of working my way through all Who's of them. You you all. did well, and I didn't know that one. The yeah. who's who's Oh, I got a million up. My mom taught me hooskow. Yeah, the hooskow, the the lockup, the slammer, the jug, the can, the joint, the big house. I got a million of them. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's good. Um, I have one more question about the episode, and then I have a few general questions if you have time. Sure. Uh no one called nine one one. What's your thoughts on that? Um, would you call 911? Do you sure. think it varies by city? Sure. Um, by community if sure. people are want, want, don't want to get involved? One time I was living in Washington DC and I I was in an apartment and this is a long time ago. This was 1980. Wow. Yeah, right. Ancient times. No. <laughs> and I realized one day that the person moving in next door to me uh, in the apartment next door was a woman uh, that I knew her mom. Uh, I knew her through her mother who had worked with me um, in, in a previous job, but I'd met her before. And I'm like, Oh, isn't that weird? You're right next door to me. Hi, nice to see you. You know, she was like, Oh, hi. You know, I mean, like we weren't big pals, but I knew she was, she knew who I was. So now dissolved to about two weeks later. And I'm woken up by a scream in the middle of the night. Uh, and I look out the window down a couple of floors to them looking back and forth like where what's happening where is this, this there's an attack going on and then i hear it again and it's coming through the wall it's this woman oh. that i that i knew and i pick up the phone and i dial nine one and i'm reaching for the other one when the woman says something that makes it clear that this is not oh. being done against her will uh, like, was that a happy scream yes a I'm, like, scream. I'm like Oh, okay. So I put the phone down. Um, but good for you. Yeah. Good instinct. Good for yeah. Yes. Um, You're yeah. a good citizen. So, um, yeah, it was. Uh, wow. I wonder yeah. if that's happened, though. People are in um, yeah. the throes of enjoyment and the yes. police just come knocking and just. I think it does happen. Also, did you look her in the eye the next day? On the elevator. <laughs> There's a whole much more R-rated version of this story, which I'm going to give you after we stop recording. But I can't. I yeah. love it. So excited. Uh, Katie, do you have any more questions about the episode? But yeah, let's go back to that for just one second, which is, sure. you know, it is it is unconscionable that all of those people reported to police. Right. You know, I heard screaming. 
Like I heard screaming, like that story I told you, which is a funny story, but didn't have to be a funny story. That's probably the only time in my life I got woken up by hearing somebody screaming. Right. You know, I would absolutely call. I think anybody would, or I think anybody would, but in this case, anybody didn't. And I don't think it's a regular occurrence in that neighborhood where there's no, it's right. a suburb of Portland. Right. I would this think is, it's fairly right. safe. This is not some place where there's a, a giant street crime every couple of days or something right. like that. You know, it's a couple of blocks in the police station. It's yeah, it's not unreasonable to believe, you know, Karina was the one who was crying and saying, if I'd done something sooner, that woman might still be alive. Yeah, well, maybe, but probably not, because by the time she would have figured it out, the plan was already well in motion. Mm -hmm. But that kind of guilt should be transferred to those neighbors who heard screams and didn't do anything, because if they had done something. At the time that the murder first began being committed, yeah, Annie almost certainly would still be alive. Mm-hmm. It's that's a shame. Okay, lesson for everyone. Yeah, we have yeah. get a lawyer, change your life insurance, and tell everyone call nine one one. Call nine one one. Also, I always say, ladies, raise your standards. And well, I that think- is a yeah. I mean, look, I've talked about this before, maybe to you. I don't know if I have. I'm going to reiterate it, which is, you know, look, we have this culture in the United States has sent the message to women again and again and again and again, that if you don't have a man, there's something wrong with you and you don't have any value. And therefore, what springs from that is having any guy is better than having no guy and being treated badly. Um uh, or being with a guy who's a loser in one way or another is sort of the price of being in a relationship. So you should get used to it because at least you're not single. Well, that, of course, is insane. And mm-hmm. none of that's true. And the one of the lessons from Dateline, as two of you could tell me better than anybody, is being alone is way better than being with the wrong guy. Absolutely. But we send exactly 100%. the opposite message again and again and again and again and again. And it's and, and the more people that that hear that, like. There is no shame in being alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will be safer alone, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even if you're not, even if this isn't about safety, like, as you just said, raise your standards. You know, one of the men, one of the reasons men behave so abominably towards women, and I'm not talking about, you know, violence or committing crimes, although I'm talking about that, too. But I, I'm not specifically talking about that is because it's permitted. And because if you stay with somebody after they act horribly towards you, whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, cheating or ignoring you or looking at the game while you're talking to them, whatever it is, sure. right? If you stick around after that, what you're saying is that kind of behavior is at least on some level acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, raise your standards. Everybody raise your standards because that will raise men's standards too. And what happens in a lot of those situations okay. is the women have let the men control all the finances, then they mm-hmm. feel stuck. It's right. really about women being independent and being able to stand on their own so they can leave if the guy is a jerk. That's exactly right. And I, me as a single woman at my age and unmarried, I feel, thank you, just preach, thank you. And our dear listener, Cindy, said on Twitter the other day that you have always been such an advocate for women, and she's right. That's right. That's right. That was very nice of her. Yeah. Yeah, but she's right. You were always talking about that and how domestic violence is at the root of a a lot of these cases. Yeah, it's it's in the, I mean, this one, no, but, uh, well, probably no in this one, but yeah, it's it's certainly in the in the background of. Yeah, uh, I mean, certainly the bullying and disrespect that comes with domestic violence was in the background of this. I don't I don't sure. think there was any actual violence, but uh, 
but certainly uh, the attitude that that generally accompanies DV was present mm-hmm. here. But yeah, domestic violence is a is a bit player in a huge number of Dateline stories. It's in the mm-hmm. background somewhere. Mm-hmm. The other yeah. thing you're passionate about is cases that don't get a lot of media attention because the woman is a person of color. And I know you've talked a lot about that too. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's a, you know, that's, that's a, that's a big problem in journalism, not just here or in TV everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think things are changing a little bit, but I wish they were changing a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm look, I, I am glad that I played some role in helping start that discussion back in 2005 when we first did that story. And, uh, you know, there's that uh, there was a documentary that aired uh, within the last year called Black and Missing on uh, on HBO, which was about yeah. that. And they uh, I didn't talk with them, but they used a little snippet of our story, which is in there. That's that um, great. Yeah. And they talk about some other some other cases. I mean, it's pretty hard to uh, to be a journalist and defend the sort of disparity that exists in the way that some cases are, are, are covered and others are not. And I think that's kind of a work in progress. I, mm-hmm. I think that people are sort of slowly maybe coming around to realizing that. I mean, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm working on a series of podcasts, which is going to start um, I guess airing is the wrong word because podcasts don't air. This is shows you how they old drop. I, it shows drop? you how old Streaming? I am. They're going to drop. Of, yeah, they're okay. going to drop. These are podcasts <laughs> like an going, album. Yes, these are podcasts <laughs> that are going going to be available soon. Um, I don't know exactly when, but sometime this summer, and they're they're uh, it's going to be a series um, about missing people. Oh, that's great! Oh, wow. And in some cases, these are people who are clearly the victim of crime, and in some cases, these are people who might or might not have been the victim of crimes. And some of these people are, uh, are minorities. Some are not, you know, one of the things that nobody uh, ever talks about, you know, there's this, there's this focus on, or there, there, there certainly was this focus on sort of, you know, white blonde damsels in distress, you mm-hmm. know, who were missing, but most of the missing people in the United States are men. Nobody ever talks about that. Yeah. That's, that's I didn't know that. Yeah, and I, a, and that's a much, news to me. Yeah. And a much, much larger percentage um of the missing are um young men um are well as you can say a much larger percentage of minority than the population at large mm-hmm. and a big chunk of the minority missing are uh young women mm-hmm. but most of the missing people in the country are men because think about it men are more likely to get involved in something dumb that's going to end up getting them <laughs> sure killed. you bet i mean they yeah. just are i mean yeah. men are more likely to you know meet a guy at a bar and get talked into being the middleman on some Coke deal that ends up with them, you know, in the river and all their money gone. Yeah. Yeah. Not to say that, you know, women can't be fleeced of their money too. They certainly can, but, but, but but men are more likely to put themselves in dumb harms way. Um, You know, that's, that's part of it. And, and then also, I mean, just more of the missing are men and they're not getting the coverage that they deserve because, you know, that sort of doesn't fit a um, the damsel in distress. Yeah. This sort of way of thinking about, you know, the missing, like, you know, the yes. women, women are to be protected. You know, mm-hmm. we need to go after them. We need to help them. You know, well, you need to help men, too, who are missing. And there are plenty yep. of them. You know, perfect example of that is, uh, you know, is uh, Daniel Robinson missing uh, in the desert. You that know? story breaks my heart. Yeah. yeah. And they have uh, the men have families that are missing them just as much as the women. Have yeah, that's right. And they're, that right. they're frantically looking for answers, too. And it's mm-hmm. much harder for men to get that kind of attention from the news media. That's such a good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, well, okay, so let's, since we're talking about serious things, and then we'll jump into non-serious things, can you just remind everyone to vote? I don't know if you're allowed to. You don't have to say anything political. But just say, this is Josh Mankiewicz. Get out there and vote. Yeah, everybody should vote. Whatever, whatever, uh, everybody should register and vote. I mean, certainly everybody has an opinion about the government uh, at every level, whether it's your, you know, your town council or your school board or, you know, your homeowners association or, mm. or the Senate or the presidency. And, you know, you, uh, if you want to complain about it, you should get involved and you should vote. Everybody there should we vote. Go. Um, being, being a witness to my parents, homeowners association struggles throughout the years, I cannot believe there hasn't been a dateline revolving around an HOA. Well, that's the thing I, I, I am too. And that's one of the things about, uh, uh, you know, the story of HOAs is, you know, the, the, the smaller, the issue, the more violent, the argument. Yes. Yeah. It's like your hedge height. It's a matter of inches. Yeah, You'll have feuds you know, that go on for decades. And the next thing you know, they're fighting with pruning shears. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a bloodbath. Um, By the way, yeah. before before you leave the series, thank you very much for the end of the episode, for the end of the undoing, for mentioning the little girl. Oh, yeah. Well, she's, little uh, girl. She's doing very well, which is great. That was very nice to hear because sometimes we wonder. So it's great that she's doing well oh, I'm God, super it's such a it was like almost the only piece of good news in the whole thing it's so horrible do yeah. we know where uh angela's children are are they with um aaron i believe so yes okay okay, okay. um how do you pronounce this word pecan okay there we go not That's pecan it. yeah thank you pecan i think is um Incorrect. Well, Southern right. and also Texas, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. You know, because I did a story about Bonnie Harkey, the, the pecan queen. Yes. And we had a whole discussion while we were working on that about how I was going to say it relative to how some of the people in the story were going to say it, because some <laughs> of the people said, said pecan. Yeah. Uh, that we interviewed, but uh, no, I, I say pecan, I say pecan pie. It started yeah. a huge discussion. Pretty and clear then... I say pecan pie too often. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> oh, nothing wrong with that. Pecan oh, my God. Pie. I had I love pecan pie. Oh, I had I had pecan pie at uh, uh, at a steakhouse, which is not a place you think you're going to get. Like, normally, you think like great pecan pie is going to be either like at some kind of like bakery or something or, you know, at a barbecue place, you know, yeah, you know, or a sense. place that specializes in some sort of like southern cuisine sure. or something like that this was at a steakhouse where i don't really think of pecan pies being part of the menu i, I can't stop thinking about it i have to go back and get it. <laughs> i'm sorry was it in los angeles it was in los angeles can you tell me after i can something that i know you're equally passionate about about women's rights is the tv show bosch and yes. i know you tweeted recently i think the last season is airing no it's the new season of the, the spinoff season. show okay um, so i think I there just... were there were seven seasons of the original Bosch, and yeah. now on what used to be called IMDb TV and what's now called Freevee, but it's part of Amazon, I think. If you get Amazon Prime, you get this too. Okay. Uh, there's a there's a, a show called Bosch Legacy, which in which Titus Welliver is playing the same character, Harry Bosch, except no, he's no longer with the LAPD. He's a private investigator, and they've pared down the cast, so it's it's primarily just him and his daughter who's now a rookie officer with the, with the LAPD 
and uh, Mimi Rogers playing Honey Chandler, who is this sort of kind of Johnny Cochran, Gloria Allred amalgam of an attorney who, you know, regularly sues the department, who is, uh, you know, kind of an antagonist to cops or has has historically been was an antagonist to Bosch during the the first part of that. And somebody the Bosch wouldn't work for, except in this episode, I believe he is either working for her or working with her. Um, So it's a pared down sequel to Bosch called Bosch Legacy. But the, the characters remain the same. And I haven't seen it yet. It just uh, began uh, this past week. I'm currently immersed in something called Tokyo Vice. Um, oh. But when that's over, we're, we're switching to Bosch. Uh, go ahead, Kate. Kimberly and I had the same question, actually. Um, miniseries with Renee Zellweger. Yes. What's up with Pam? Except that's not what it's called. But the thing about Pam. I think that's what it's called. What's up with Pam is good, actually. What's Thank up you with, very much. What's that up was with mine. Pam sounds like the morning show that spins off from thing about <laughs> Pam. Oh, it does. Yeah. What's oh, up with boy. Pam? Let's get up with Pam. Yeah. What's up with Pam? <laughs> Wake up with Pam. Good morning. This is Pam. No, Pam should not do a morning show. Mm-hmm. So do you have a case to pitch for a similar t- type miniseries coming up or can you not talk about it no i i don't i mean off the top of my head i mean or i don't a previous, have previous any... a previous state line of yours that you I think would be a good miniseries. i can't think of any case i'm sure there are going to be other stories like pam that end up being dramatized the way the thing mm-hmm. about pam was i can't think of any other story that i've covered or that anybody else has covered off the top of my head in which dateline's a part of the story Right. I mean, you know, it wasn't just that we right. covered that story. It was that it was Pam, the dateline was entwined with it. Pam yeah. pretended to be Kathy Singer, who's a real dateline producer, somebody I've worked with, and I think tried to, um, uh, you know, attract somebody into her web of intrigue and crime and mystery. Yes. You know, yes. based on impersonating Kathy, that really did happen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't think of anything else in which we play that kind of role where right. we were where we were involved in the story to that extent. I mean, we've done a lot of stories where we've covered them. I mean, I I did a story once in which somebody was um, uh, was tried for murder, uh, imprisoned, subsequently released when it was uh, when it was clear that they had the wrong guy or that the case against him shouldn't have ever resulted in a conviction. And the fact that we were involved, that we were going to cover the retrial and the whole story, I think ultimately persuaded the state involved not to redo it. I think, I think they didn't want to be seen as the villains in a dateline hour. Mm-hmm. Really? Still trying to imprison somebody who had really essentially been, been proven either innocent or not convictable. I mean, I, I didn't believe that the guy had anything to do with it. It felt as if he had been uh, framed by the people who actually had done the murder and the cops sort of hadn't realized it at the time. I see. And so I thought maybe we played some role in that, but only in terms of our involvement after yeah. the fact. I can't think of anything else that, that runs, that we were a part of the narrative the way the, the thing about Pam was, which, you know. Yeah. Was, but you've uh, covered a lot of crazy stories that oh, could yeah. be well, we all have that mini we have. series. Yeah. This we is just, one of them. Yeah. This is one of them. Yeah. We just covered um last month the smoking gun with Stephanie Lazarus. Yes. Qu- uh, which I can I call her crazy eyes? We you um, can call her that. We called it the smoking gun? <laughs> I think so. Yes. Yeah. I remember I remember it being called detective story, but okay. 
Uh, they may on have Peacock, changed it. It is called the Smoking Gun. Yeah. There you go. You th- had Yolanda McClary on that, who I love from yes. Cold Justice, and you used to have her on a couple times with this cold case, Dateline cold case, you yeah. know, with John Lewin and this other gentleman that I can never remember his name. Dwayne Stanton. Yes. That went away. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things that we discovered at Dateline, you know, all of us, I think, would love to be able to do cold cases more. And Mm -hmm. to possibly provide some relief for families who've been waiting for answers for a very long time or law enforcement looking to to bring this to an end and lock somebody up. Yeah. The problem with that is that our audience. Right. uh, They like an ending. They like hearing resolution. Bill was convicted. He's doing life. Good night. Not, you know, so what happened to Mary? We don't know. They're trying to find enough evidence to put Bill on trial, but right now we got nothing. Good night. Good night. Yeah. You know, so that's part of the problem is that, you know, if people spend an hour or two hours invested in a dateline, and then at the end we say, so what's the answer? We don't know. We need you to call the police if you do know anything. Uh, That's when people start throwing stuff at their TVs. Yeah. And I understand that people like, you know, people like answers and, you know, our, uh, on Dateline, I mean, they get an answer, even if it's, you know, Bill was acquitted. Right. You know, Bill's right. locked up, but he's appealing, saying this evidence should never have been admitted. I mean, sometimes the, it's not the end of the road, but it's at least an end of the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the problem with cold cases. Now, you know, we recently did uh, we did the case of Amy Mihaljevic, um, which was a, a cold right. case. Uh, and we've certainly done a couple of others. But there, it's a it's, it's always a tough sell to do yeah. a story or to try to do a story around here that doesn't have but an there, ending. But there was no falling out with Yolanda. Oh, no. She's great. Okay, good. <laughs> or John Lewin no, or no. Dwight. Okay. No, no, good. no. Dwayne. That's... Dwayne. Dwayne. Sorry. Yeah. I just can or never Dwight. remember his There wasn't any falling out with Katie Dwight Katie can never remember John Lewin. And for some reason, I can never remember Dwayne's name. Wow. Um, no, I still talk it's to- It's like a uh, mental block. I still talk to uh, Lewin and, um, and Dwayne. And, Could and we get a spinoff Yolanda. show? A spinoff? I think they've all- I mean, they've gone on to do other things. I mean, John Lewis oh, yeah. convicted Robert Durst. I know. I was you know. just watching him on the competitor show about their episode about Robert Durst. On Brand X, yeah. Um, so maybe it's time for some fresh blood. And if Kimberly and I were happened to take some adult night classes in criminal in the criminal justice system, um, and uh, you would be to, you would be abundantly qualified. Would, and the, were to submit resumes, the, would we be considered for the cold case squad? If, if I were doing the hiring, you're in. Thank you. I love it. Oh, we I'm have some, so excited. some good ideas, some yes. very bad ideas, but also some very good ones. <laughs> One of our good ideas was you posing as um, John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever, which our that one of our yours. listeners, that Sam, was... made a brilliant Photoshop. And then another listener, uh, Mary Grace, Gracie, she did uh, added turkey drumsticks to your hands so that it's applicable to Thanksgiving. I don't think I saw that. It's really well done. Because Dateline tweeted, can we get this for Thanksgiving? Just add some turkey in there. I didn't realize that she had made that change. I got to go back and look at that. Yeah. Yeah. um, uh, That was a great image of me in that that white suit. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We have some talented date. Dateline has the most talented viewers of any show. Okay. Well, you know, the two women who did all the, um, the Olympic stuff for me was just just the most wonderful thing. Yeah. They were so, they were so great. And I, you know, before that happened, I, 
had had almost no contact with either one of them. I mean, these weren't, they weren't like longtime friends of mine on Twitter or people that I had been writing to or, you know, back and forth for months. Mm-hmm. They just started doing it and they, I don't think they knew each other. Like one of them lives in Oklahoma and one of them was in Kansas and they just started cranking them out. And each I one was it. funnier than the last one. And the only thing I said to him was, uh, you got to change back and forth between who's the man and who's the, the woman in the pictures. Between <laughs> who's me leading and like, in I don't the want, dance. I, he can't always be the, the girl that I'm picking up, you know, uh, in the, in ice skating uh, that I'm doing the lift for. So you got to go back and forth. They were like, okay, right. fine. You know, and the, uh, you know, me, the three of us, uh, me and Dennis and Keith, the uh, speed skating, um, uh, me driving the Zamboni machine, uh, <laughs> We uh, need Andrea in the background uh, as a judge with a scorecard. <laughs> and, you know, here's the ten. other thing. And I've got to give all props to, to Mr. Keith Morrison on this, who is the, the sweetest, nicest guy, as as uh, as anybody who knows him can can attest. I didn't ask him or tell him or warn him <laughs> at all about any of that. I just started doing it. I also didn't tell any of our bosses either. I didn't have any discussion about it. The Olympics were on. We were off the air. I wanted to promote uh, the Olympics and I wanted to keep Dateline on people's minds. Mm-hmm. And these these two wonderful viewers of ours started doing these things for me. And um, uh, and I just put them up and I didn't say to Keith, hey, you might want to take a look at Twitter because <laughs> I got a thing that I'm about to didn't say anything. And he was a great sport about that. And he loved them. Did you ever think when you started your career that people would be making memes and photoshops of you? No, I did not think that I would. Look, I didn't think a lot of things uh, in this (laughs) career. Um, I didn't think that this funny voice that I have would ever be any kind of asset. Uh, I don't think that I thought that I would be around, uh, you know, 40 something years later. Incredible. uh, Doing this. Um, I think when I started a dateline, I didn't think, you know. I don't, I don't know that I thought Dateline would would, would right. be my employer for most of my career. I didn't think that true crime was going to be. I've said this before. I didn't think true crime was going to be the thing that it, that it turned out to be. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think and I didn't think I was and I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I have. Do you think true crime will fade away or do you see it continuing to grow in popularity? I, I don't certainly don't see it fading away. You know, True Detective, the, the magazine uh, that was founded in 1924. Wow. You know, it went out of it went out. It stopped being published in 1995, which was right around the time. Was that when the show came? Um, well, I mean, the show is a it, the, the TV show on HBO is is a reference to that magazine. To the magazine. A, but this was a magazine that came out detailing crimes. I mean, it was kind of like the dateline of its day. It came mm-hmm. out, you know, mm-hmm. weekly, monthly. And, you know, and it was back then it was a men's magazine because, you know, it was the story of these like, you know, the exploits of these lawmen and these, you know, sort of, you know, blood curdling cases. You know, we can, and this is for a future podcast, and we can sort of talk about how the true crime audience morphed from men to primarily women. But yeah, I'm curious. But you know, 1995 was when, you know, the internet and TV and, you know, uh, now podcasts have sort of, you know, changed the way in which true crime stories are delivered to people. That's right. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, true crime's not new. You know, um, you know, I mean, in cold blood with the, you know, Truman Capote in mm-hmm. 1965, right. mm-hmm. uh, you know, OJ sort of started the modern TV fascination yep. with it. But I mean, true and that's when better. DNA started. So people right. started true feeling like been around a long themselves. time as a, as a, as a part of journalism. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. Was OJ the first court TV case? 
Uh, so the first one that was completely televised, the trial? I don't remember. I don't know if it first. was the first court TV case or not, uh, but it was certainly in the in the infancy of, of it of was court, early of court TV. Yeah. yeah, and it was certainly the first major national case in which forensic technology became a big player. Mm-hmm. You know, like after that, suddenly everybody knew about DNA. Yeah. Yeah. And then we all feel like we're experts in our Everybody does feel like they're experts. Yeah. yeah, no, no. I mean, I have one of the side effects of working at Dayline is the people at cocktail parties and, you know, <laughs> airport boarding lounges come up to you and start talking about blood spatter. Yeah, uh, and I think like oh, I, I would say like, are you are, are you in the in the crime fighting business? Like, no, 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 no. I run a chain I'm of a furniture stores. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm very interested in what, uh, what happens to the blood. I love it. Okay. Uh, we are doing a every few months a book club for our Patreon, a true crime sort of book club. So right. we still mm-hmm. have to pick our next book a few people want us to do true blood i mean sorry uh in cold blood true well that's blood. a great that's a so, that's a great true crime we might do that one no it's great i mean the book came out in 1965 and the mm-hmm. movie shortly after and robert blake is a whole thing yeah, no, he's we great. did an episode yeah. about him for patreon too right. yeah why there's lots of roberts so yes. andrea our queen recently put a 600 pound python around her neck would uh, you do that? Let for me a let case? me stop you right now. No. <laughs> also, I don't think it was six hundred pounds. Maybe it probably was. It I, been, she's very strong. Pounds. Yeah, yeah. Six hundred. I, I don't think Andrea took six hundred pounds. Um, <laughs> she didn't take a couch. You're telling me she can't deadlift six hundred yeah. pounds? Yeah, no, I don't think so. But I think she took a very, very big weighty yeah. snake. Yeah. And I've seen. I mean, she's obviously not the only person who've done that. I've seen people do that. I've seen people mm-hmm. put snakes on them or. Particularly mm-hmm. pet owners like, you know, like have their snake around their shoulders. Yeah. Uh, you're asking if I would do that? Yes. Yeah. What do you think? I've done it. My yeah. mom and I both did it. And I did a side by side who wore it better. Right. With Andrea good. and my mom and I. But I feel like your answer is no. I feel like no, men don't answer, like snakes. My answer. No, I don't like snakes. My answer is no. And let's not even talk about it. <laughs> so my, if my next question was, are there things you wouldn't do for a case? Or for a story. Well, I mean, look, the fact that, you know, the the idea that something is is the way into a story, you know, is a is is for any reporter really hard to turn down. You know, I mean, you end up in journalism doing lots of things you normally wouldn't do or in some cases don't want to do. I mean, go to places, parts of town or parts of the world. I mean, I've been scared to death in different war zones during my career, but that's, you know, that's you, you can't say I'm not going to go. That's how you get the story. Right. And and how afraid you are is is part of the story. You know that it's I mean, that's a scary place. You, you're you're reporting from a scary place. And that's true in, you know, different parts of certain cities. And uh, and so then it would also be true. You know, I suppose that that that. that you know, putting a snake across one's shoulders might also be the doorway to getting into some story, uh, which I would have to think about. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm let's just say I'm about as interested in having a python draped across my shoulders <laughs> as I was going into Beirut in 1982. That Ooh. sounds about right. What about a zip line? Did you do the zip line in Vegas? I did not do a zip line. Well, there was a zip line. I didn't see it's in zip. downtown. It's in Fremont oh, I don't Street. Know about that. Um, it's in. The laser light show is above you and you do a zip line down. The question is, there's two ways to go on the zip line. You can go Superman where your arms are out or you can sit. 
Like you're seated in a chair. What do you think? I've never done a zip line, although um, like I probably wouldn't skydive and I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't bungee jump. Those two mm-hmm. things are I, and I certainly wouldn't. The free falls. Yeah. And I wouldn't I wouldn't I mean, I'm not going to go rock climbing or bouldering or mountain climbing or any of that. I probably wouldn't go into a glider, you know, mm-hmm. um, like in yeah. the, the Thomas Crown affair. Yeah, no, I don't. But a zip line, maybe. But a zip line, uh, I, yeah, I could, I could see doing that. Yeah, that, that, that actually looks like fun. Whereas those other things just seem terrifying. I yeah, one hundred percent. Zip line, you just go fast. You're not falling. Yeah, or but there's a fear of yeah, but you're falling you're, to earth. you're roped on there. You're not gonna. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably at least the first time I did it, I would I would sit down. Okay, yeah, and I then maybe so. Superman later. Maybe later, like in the next lifetime. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome here anytime. Well, I, I, I've said this to you guys before, and I'll say it again. I, I will come on anytime that I have an episode on. And this one, actually, The Undoing, was actually ready for a while. As you know, I thought it was going mm-hmm. to air mm-hmm. sooner and then for various scheduling reasons. But it eventually, everything at Dateline eventually does air that we're working on like this. So do you know what's next? I, got, I don't know what the next one is, I got a, I got, but I got a couple more, and it won't be... It won't be as long a wait between the undoing and the next one as it was from getting to that. Good, because people get anxious if there's too long a time between hosts. I know. They get very frustrated. I know. I understand that. I Please understand, I have nothing to do with scheduling these episodes. It's really not in any way up to me. Two things I don't have any control over at all. I don't have any control over the scheduling, and I don't have any control over the title. Those are both... Uh, done by other people uh the script i'm definitely uh, play a big role in you know and, the, st- and the structure of it too I, and we, you do we, it we, so I some, well I, I play some role in that although as i say everything's collegial here yeah but i don't know when the next one will be on but i got a couple of datelines in progress and then i also have several podcasts in the right. works in the summer and, Yes. And then there is a second season coming of Dateline Unforgettable on Oxygen. Okay. Yeah. We talk yeah. about the episodes, the most memorable episodes. I just shot some stuff for that the other day. And then we're doing a series for Peacock, which I think they announced recently. Yes. It's The Last Day. Called The Last Day, which is similar to Dateline. These are one hour-ish stories. Some of them are a little bit longer because it's on streaming. It doesn't have to be exactly 60 minutes long the way things do on on broadcast television. Uh, And these are stories in which, I mean, they're all murder investigations, but they're stories in which the activities of the victim over the last 24 hours of their life are known and became part of the investigation and are kind of a roadmap as to how cops, you know, went from, you know, discovering the crime to solving the crime. And of course, that's not true on every single case. A lot of times, Mm -hmm. you know, when people disappear, you don't know what their last day was, right? you know, because they haven't been seen in quite a while or they disappeared or people just don't know. But in this case, so we've had to pick cases in which the the activities of the victim were were chartable and that that's a way of us telling the story. But these are all new cases. These are not cases that have appeared on Dateline um, or or anywhere else at NBC. So uh, and they're all solved or some solved. I believe they are all solved. Okay, I believe the model for this was my story that aired uh, last year, I think, on Amy Mihaljevic. Okay, cool. 
which was an unsolved case. And at right. first we yes. thought these were going to be unsolved cases the last day. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they, 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 um, uh, at the moment anyway, we're doing all solved ones. Uh, maybe unsolved might be down the road. We don't know. And that's on that would Peacock. be good to do both. That yeah, would be good to do the next chunk as unsolved, you know, keep going back. I don't think you can only live on unsolved cases because I think the audience does like seeing the end of the road and they want, yes. they want to know some finality. I mean, you were just talking to me about how great it was to know what happened to, to Matt and yeah. Annie's little girl. Um, yeah. But I, I think that there's probably room to do both. And, I think so and, too. And the extent to which, I mean, what you know, if an unsolved case that we play some part in publicizing or telling the story of that gets solved because it's something gets, we do. Right. I'm not sure there are too many more rewarding feelings than right. like, you know, mm-hmm. being able to play some role in having justice be done mm-hmm. and have some answers for those families. And then maybe somebody who's a threat to countless other people gets locked up. I mean, it's, it's uh, that's just win, win, win. But uh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I would like to see us do more of that. I think if you sprinkle them in amongst the solved ones, yeah, it's I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Thank you so much Thank for talking you. with us for being so Thank generous you. with your time. And Thank you. Being I, so will see you uh, I will see you uh, after my next appearance on Dateline. Yay. <gasps> Thank you so much. We can't wait. We adore you. Thank you. It's mutual. Oh, stay bye to stay bye to everybody. Bye everybody. Don't watch alone. Is Tokyo uh, Vice about cars? Tokyo Vice. Tokyo Vice is about um, uh, is is on HBO HBO Max, and it okay. is uh, it is the story. It's a true story. I'm actually reading the book right now. Mm-hmm. It's the true story of an American young guy who. Uh, learned Japanese, um, moved to Tokyo, and decided he wanted to get a job as a police reporter with one of the city's biggest newspapers. Uh, and they had never hired um, an American or I think any kind of foreigner. Um, oh. uh, they certainly had, had, had not hired an American before to be a reporter, just a regular line reporter. And he huh. covered the police beat for a while. And so he had this this tremendous hill to climb which is you know you know cops don't a lot of cops don't like talking to reporters at all and and in japan like they certainly were not um were not used to an american reporter working for a japanese newspaper asking them questions about japanese crimes mm-hmm. that happened in tokyo just regular police beat stuff nothing mm-hmm. nothing of any kind of national interest um or international just like you know robberies rapes purse snatchings you wow know. just okay um, and uh and you know and murders and you know gangland stuff but nothing no giant internationally famous crime and so it's the story of how you know how you had to kind of learn the, you know, the language and the culture and then you know how to cover the cops and uh it's a good that book. sounds good it's a good book really and it's a fascinating good. tv show it's great that's a yeah it's a yeah. really interesting premise yeah. okay so nothing to do with um cars drag racing. i think you were Got thinking it. of tokyo drifting you bet i was yeah, tokyo <laughs> drift is different yeah <laughs> yeah that sure was that's different did great yeah